SCJ Summit 2016 is making its final stop in New York City November 2nd. Learn from speakers at Google, Condé Nast, ESPN, Zillow, and WordStream. Get 10% off your ticket now using the code SEJNERD at searchenginejournal.com slash SEJSummit2016. Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free. We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world and all we can think about is where can I hook up my mom? Digital pen part of work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. So should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hello and welcome to Marketing Nerds. I'm Caitlin Ruleen, social producer at Search Engine Journal, and today we'll be talking about how to build a bigger brand online. We're joined by Christina Baldessari. Christina is best known for founding Zebra Advertisement, an online advertising agency and Google Partners All-Star Competition winner in 2014 and 2015. She is specialized in developing brands with paid traffic and primarily consults large businesses regarding branding and social media marketing campaigns. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Christina. Thank you for having me. So I was reading a little bit in preparation for this, and um, I found a quote on entrepreneur.com that stated, personal branding is growing in popularity as founders and CEOs blog, appear on camera messaging, and play a larger role in direct customer communication. Such communication or such messaging can win over a public skeptical of corporate leadership and help businesses stand out in a sea of competition. So I read this quote, I remember it, and then I looked back at the date, back in 2013. So branding and more specifically personal branding has been really big for years now. And I know that's something that you work really in depth with. So I was wondering, first off, could you give us some insight into why branding matters? Why is it still such a powerhouse for us? Well, I think it's becoming more a powerhouse now because personal branding has been around since forever. But I think now, um, especially with social media, even uh, employees who otherwise maybe would not have had such a strong personal brand now get the chance to really present themselves online. So um, I think it just matters because you get the chance to do it. And then second of all, branding matters because it impacts sales. So regardless of whether you're trying to build a better personal brand or sell a service or product, just branding makes an impact on the bottom line. So branding is usually associated with images and how something is visually presented. But um, of course, it goes far beyond just photos. And just to give an example of how powerful the right photo is, the kind of photo you choose can impact your conversion rate up to 70%. We did internal research at Zebra Advertisement for over two years, and we actually tested over 20,000 ads just, you know, to see what makes people convert, what makes people click. So I cannot share all the details today because it's really extensive. But I'll share some of the things, especially the ones that we tested on Facebook. So basically, we started out just by testing how different headlines and descriptions and display URLs and images were affecting the clicks rate and, of course, the conversion rate. So in other words, we just wanted to figure out if any of these elements, if at all any of these elements, have an impact on sales and what makes, click, what makes people click or buy. So it turns out that obviously the image makes the biggest difference, which is not super surprising because, you know, it's the biggest part of the ad. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, it's widely known that images generally have a bigger impact than text. But what is surprising is how much bigger that difference was. So while the image actually affects the conversion rate up to 70 percent, 
all the rest was only 10%, 5%, 0.5%, and it went down from there. So the image really is the most important thing. So it really seemed like the image was the only thing people care about. So, of course, we wanted to put that to a test and see if that was true at all. So what we did was we ran Facebook ads and we targeted people who had never traveled much, only speak English, so only speak one language, live in the middle of nowhere. And then we basically chose all the texts in Korean, Russian, Japanese, whatever we felt like had maybe a different alphabet that for sure they would not understand. And sure enough, if there was an image that, you know, that kind of target group was attracted by and could identify with, they clicked. So really, they just overlook the text. They don't even care what it says. They don't even notice if it's their language. They just look at the image. That's a really fascinating study. That is fascinating, especially because I thought it was crazy. I thought it wouldn't work. I thought, oh, my God, it's going to get disapproved. Who knows? You know, you know, targeting. Yeah, it's targeting not just Russia. like, a, oh, yeah, we'll test this and nothing will come of it, but we'll just yeah. test, test it. So yeah, I mean, we tested so many different things. This was just one of them. And I thought it was one of the most interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that we then did was, okay, let's take the best image that we had so far and let's, you know, find on, you know, stock photos, let's find the same models again. And it happened to be a mom and her, I would say, around eight-year-old son. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had just been, like, really popular on, like, Shutterstock and other things. And they had just a couple of different images in the same or very similar setting in front of a house, you know, well-lighted, yeah. well-lit and just uh, the same models, which was extremely important. And then we just used the identical headlines for all the ads, identical description, identical display URL. So everything was the same except the image. And then we started testing and it actually turned out that one of the images did um, twice as well as anything else, not just in terms of click-through rate, but in terms of sales. Hmm. And nothing was really different except that you know, the people were looking at each other or not looking at each other, or the light was slightly different, or they were slightly closer to the camera. So the really, really small difference here made a huge impact on the bottom line. Mm -hmm. so and I, I have heard a lot about like mm -hmm. that, is, like if you have an image that is like flowers or a field, um, yeah, it might perform well, but if you have an image with somebody's face in it, people respond to that a lot better. And I think that's, you know, why it's so important to branding because it's like, okay, if you put a face behind your product, people are going to trust you a lot more. People are going to feel like kind of that mom and pop shop feel, except we don't have much of those anymore. It's all on the internet now. Yeah, exactly. And now um, actually the, the second round of this study, it's not completed just yet, but the second round of that study now is that we're testing, you know, what kind of photo, what kind of face triggers yeah. the click. And uh, in each case, the, even the first part of the study already showed that the, the right image can make people click and make people buy. And of course, that also means that if you choose the wrong image, you can actually hold, you know, your sales back quite a bit or your conversions, even just for service business. You may just, you know, prevent people from going to your contact page because of the kind of image that you chose. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very aware of what your target group is attracted by and what not so you can design your brand accordingly. I think that's a really, um, really solid point and something that we sh should all be aware of if we're, I mean, we're always trying to build, even if not our company brand as a whole, but just our own personal brand, trying to get jobs, trying to find clients. Um, but well, I guess on a larger scale, could you give us some examples of branding that has been done right? What brands have you seen at this cutting edge of branding? I think one of the things to consider when doing branding is not just to do something trendy. So right now, account takeovers on Snapchat and Instagram are really trendy. Mm -hmm. So it's not just branding is not just to do it, 
but it's how you do it. So National Geographic is doing a really good job on Instagram right now where they're doing four-day account takeovers and they're basically handing over the Instagram account to people who are shooting documentaries for National Geographic in some foreign country. And they basically do a video diaries for four days in a row. And uh, it's a series of videos that, of course, you know, they may have some instructions of where to place themselves, but it's just really authentic to the brand. It's very outdoorsy. It's um, very, very down to earth. So not a lot of not a lot of lighting preparation, not a lot of makeup preparation. It's just really in the moment and uh, obviously shows a lot of animals and a lot of landscape. So they're really doing an excellent job at representing their brand while doing something trendy. And uh, there are so many more examples. I mean, Red Bull is doing really well on Facebook. They always have new image headers. So, you know, if you ever wanted what to do with your Facebook page, you need something new, change your image header to something that still represents your brand, but is new. Remember that everyone sees an update from your page on their feed. So if you change your image header, that's an update right there for everyone's feed. That's an image that represents your brand. So that's a good chance to, you know, get, get on everyone's radar again. Yeah. Then a Kylie Jenner's cosmetic line. The packaging design is spot on. Not necessarily the product design, but the packaging. Spot on. Under Armour did a really great campaign with Mindy Copeland with the hashtag, I will what I want. Adidas did a really great campaign with, I create myself every day. I mean, there are so many brands that are doing it well. And I think the lesson is that whatever you are doing, make sure it's true to your brand, not just trendy or new or a different content format. Yeah, it has to make sense because, I mean, you have your ingrained audience already there. You want to be speaking to them. You want to be focusing on what you already do best instead of learning how to do something entirely new. And I thought that I loved that you mentioned National Geographic on Instagram because I follow them and they're one of my favorite accounts. And I I think they've been doing it more and more recently, just like, I mean, even spot on interviews, like if they're meeting people in the field that they're working in, like they'll just have a little interview and it doesn't look like it's prepped. It just is very much the face of what National Geographic is doing around the world. And it's it's something that they have just coordinated so well that it's just a constant stream of information that isn't like, oh my gosh, I have to click through the story again, um, over and over mm-hmm. again, you know? Yeah, so, it's creative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you spoke about header images, you've spoken about, I mean, images in general. Um, what should we as marketers watch out for when choosing an image? Um, like, we obviously know that it is a big impactor towards click, towards buys, um, just towards general awareness. Um, so, why do you think the image makes such a big difference? What do we watch out for? So I think the, the image makes a big difference because 30% of the visual cortex in our brain is actually used for image processing versus only 8% and 6% for hearing and sensing, for instance. Mm-hmm. So the brain spends nearly a third of its resources in the visual cortex on imagery. And we can't really help it. We can't really control how much resor- how many resources we spend on you know, looking at images and how much time we spend on processing it, there's really no way we can control this. So images impact us whether we want it or not. And even if you have a brand online where you say, you know, it's not holding me back, it's maybe not doing me justice, but it's kind of okay to look at, it's probably holding you back just a little bit because mm-hmm. people are judging as soon as they look at you, you know, at your photo, at your font, at your colors. And the brand design is not just the way it looks, Brand design is the way you phrase it. So everything gets processed. And I believe that especially now with websites, with a trend where everything has a colored background, the text on those pages might actually be processed more in the visual cortex as image processing than text. So even what you're saying now 
is probably processed differently by the brain. So it gets more important. So I just think maybe it's just because branding is what I do, but I'm just obsessed with it. And I think um, if it's so important and you can't do anything about it, you must control how it's perceived. Mm. So if you want to, if you want concrete suggestions, say, you know, I have a photo of myself on my about page. What should I do? It's me. You know, I won't look any different. It's just, you know, what should I do about the photo? It's just there and I cannot constantly take new headshots. Well, there is something you should think about. So um, for starters, the the styling, the clothes, the colors, the lighting, and all of that should obviously be attractive to your target group. But if you can't change your photo and you think, you know, it's kind of good to go, experiment with image filters. If you, you know, don't know how to use any of the free tools online, like PicMonkey, you could always go on Instagram, take a, take a new account, don't follow anyone, make it private, and upload a photo apply the filter and automatically it's saved on your smartphone. That's a new headshot that has a filter that you can then upload to your to your website. And why do filters matter? Well, some filters are more warm colors. Some filters are more cold colors. Some filters have an increased contrast. And all of that makes a different impression. The graininess makes a different impression. Maybe you want to experiment with the same headshot, make it really sharp on LinkedIn and make it really grainy on Snapchat and make it um, kind of cartoonish on Instagram so there are just so many things you can do just with little tricks like filters and graininess and experimenting with that. And there are so many cool apps. And I know you mentioned like the desktop app, PicMonkey, or um, there's so many out there that are pretty easy to learn or to get a quick tutorial on. Um, but then, yeah, then you have stuff like Instagram where you could easily do that. Or you um, can use, I think, the new Prisma app, which will make you look like you're drawn. I'm sure you Everybody yeah, I know. Yeah, I have that one actually. I'm guilty yeah. of having it on my smartphone. <laughs> I think it looks really cool. I haven't gotten to play around with it too much, but I'm like, I just keep thinking of like my dog and wanting to take a picture of my dog that it looks like it was an art piece. Um, so there are, and I, I think that's that's a really good point. Is like even if you don't um, have you know headshots done recently, um, one you should probably have a professional headshot done um, at some point, just because you don't want something that looks like it was taken, you know. 15 years ago, or you don't want to look something that's in dark lighting. And, and professional photographers do know how to do that. But it's not something that you have to do every year or constantly, because there's so many options now with just basic photo editing. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's just, there's so many options. Most of them are even free. So that's really, um, in the end, you know, there's no excuse to not make you look the, the best. Exactly. And, yeah, I think people should just try a bunch of different things. And of course, then once you start trying, you have to be cohesive with it. So if you start using a filter um, on Instagram that you like, then you can, you know, one of the really easy ways to make it look cohesive is just to use it for every picture on your Instagram and instantly it will look branded. Mm-hmm. So for instance, um, many of the most followed accounts, many of the fitness accounts on Instagram, they just go for the same editing settings every time. They will just set the contrast to this and that um, and increase brightness to this and that. And that way it all looks cohesive, even though of course the photos were taken in a million different locations and otherwise would look not cohesive maybe. Exactly. Yeah. And that way, I mean, it's just a very easy way. As soon as you get on somebody's profile page, you see all of their photos in thumbnail format. And so being able to have that initial reaction from your viewer, it's like, oh wow, like these all look the same. And so when they see a photo, they're going to instantly think of your brand. So, I mean, what, um, I guess on the next point of that is what are some tips when we can apply on working on our own website? I know you've already talked a little bit about like the image setting, the cohesive brands, um, but are there any other sort of um, kind of tips that you would apply to a, a, our own websites? 
I think one of the most important points when editing your website or, you know, when doing a brand makeover is just that instead of making it look nice, design it to sell. You can design brands to sell and choose specific fonts, specific colors, specific layouts, specific visuals, all um, with a goal to attract your target audience and to make them buy. So instead of just, you know, being likable online, be sellable. So in order to increase sales and conversions, or even just, you know, conversion, maybe being someone filling out your contact page or following you online. So you first must know what designs appeal to your target group. And the typical approach to that would be creating an audience persona profile, or ideally several of those, maybe three to four, which means you define four actual people that exist in, in real life with the following characteristics, such as age, gender, lifestyle, what kind of job they have, what kind of job title they have, the household composition, what kind of car they drive. And they're just a bunch of different um, characteristics that then impact what kind of font appeals to them, what kind of color appeals to them. Do they like bold, thick lines? Do they like really thin, fine lines? Um, so based on, the, based on the audience persona profiles that you're creating, you can then design your brand with a goal to sell. Mm-hmm. So how would we go about um, gaining more knowledge about um, the audience persona profiles? How would we go about building that? Where can we find our own audiences? Well, it's a process that can take anywhere from an hour to two weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, if you just have an hour, my guess, you know, my recommendation would be that you should go with Facebook Audience Insights because it's a free tool that you already have if you're running Facebook ads. If not, you can sign up. It's free to use. It's pretty intuitive and it's basically the, you know, sometimes people use Facebook to see what people are like who like the page. So if you have a Facebook page and you have 20,000 likes, then you can go in or you have 200 likes, whatever likes you have, you can go in and see what are these people like. And instead, what you do for branding and audience persona profiling is you use Facebook audience insights to reverse that process. So you actually go backwards and say, Facebook collects information about so many users. I want to choose the characteristics that I want to see and that I want to know information about. So Facebook insi- Facebook audience insights is the best tool for that. So you can choose gender. You can choose income. You can choose job title. You can use office type. So just to kind of see what the demographics of the target group are. And we do, we do a lot of customer profiling at Zebra Advertisement because of how strongly branding affects sales. And we recently did one for a business called International Translating Company. And they're, they're the biggest translating company and translate for Harvard University, Disney, governments, and you know all kinds of reputable companies. So what we did for them was we went into Facebook Audience Insights and we pulled up information about exactly the target group that they wanted to target. So we got the lifestyle, household composition, what car they drive, where they live, how active they are on Facebook, how many and what kind of pages they like, how educated they are, what their typical job titles are, how and what they spend their money on, what devices they use for Facebook and in what order, if they own or rent, how much their houses are worth, and a whole lot more. And what we did then was to sort that information in three audience persona profiles. And, you know, I can't give away exactly, you know, what their target was and what the persona profiles were. But just to give an example, one of them could be business owner, male, 45 to 54 years old, lives in the suburban area of Las Vegas, is married but lives alone, has two teenage children, drives a luxury SUV, has a managerial position in healthcare, spends only 5% of what he buys online on kids, and more than half of his income on interior design, food, and clothes. Grad school education. 
So now uh, what we do, sorry, that was a lot of information, wasn't no, it? <laughs> I think, yes, yes, it was, but it shows you like how precisely you can make these audience persona profiles, which so, yeah, it might be a little bit of work to dig in this and to get like definitely as intricate as you um, have done, but it also down the line makes it a little bit easier for you then to create those targeted ads because you know the type of person that you're talking to. And I feel like a lot of us will go in, especially like in social advertising and we're like, okay, I know I'm talking to this big, broad group of people. I'm trying to reach all of them. And that's not going to work as efficiently as being like, I'm talking to pretty much in essence, this one person or this one very similar type of person. And that will actually pull in those people because they know that you're talking to them. I think, I think what um yeah yeah absolutely and I think much of much of this information you can retrieve really really briefly because all you do is choose your characteristics and then you just scroll through the graphs that Facebook provides you mm-hmm. and the the task now is how to translate that into branding Yes yeah how do we how do we use it to make that big difference how do we apply this besides just knowing okay this person we want So one of the things is to choose the right font the right colors and the right way to phrase everything. So if you have a text on the website, choose your wording properly, um, you know, wording that appeals to the audience persona profiles that you identified. So someone with a grad school education isn't typically um, attracted by extremely colloquial language. And, you know, some of the things are just common sense. So um, men are typically not attracted by very round fonts or pink. So for instance, um, well, it's just, some of it is common sense, and then some of it is the is the fine lines. And now you're going to say, I don't really know how to choose a font that appeals to my target group. So the first thing to do is to identify what kinds of fonts and colors and ways to phrases there are. So you can just make yourself a list and say, for fonts, there is serif and sans serif, serif being the one with the little feet, sans serif being, you know, typically the the a little bit cleaner, I want to say, a little bit more minimalistic of fonts. Mm-hmm. And then you can just um, Google a couple of font pairing guides. For instance, Canva has a really great font pairing guide. So they will suggest you what fonts go well. So you want to have one for the heading, one for the text. And they'll say, this one is more adventurous. This one is more traditional. This one is more for publishing. This one is more for hotels. And they'll actually tell you why that is. So you see the psychological um, the psychological part behind the scenes of that. And that just makes it a lot easier. So anytime you get stuck, just Google guides on it and you'll see that within five to 10 minutes, you'll be so much more knowledgeable and you definitely won't regret it. And once you have the right fonts, the right colors, and you have chosen kind of some some key phrases or some keywords that you want to repeat. So maybe instead of saying subscribe to the newsletter, you want to say um, get the social skinny or leave your email for the Hustlers Digest. So, you know, they're just kind of, um, I want to say adjustments to how you present it, not necessarily entirely new way presenting it, but just adjusting it to make it appeal more to the target group. And then um, there are just some other things that you can do just to imply what target group um, your website targets. So for instance, if you think of the iPhone, every iPhone comes with a standard application for stocks on the home screen. And less than 1% of iPhone owners care about that and actually use it or have even ever read about stocks. But what it does, it implies a lifestyle and an education level that is likely to match an income that can afford a $1,000 phone. And that's what's branding. That's what branding is. It's perception management. 
I think that that's a really, really interesting point. Like, I mean, I use an iPhone. I've seen that thing. I instantly put it into like a folder away, but it does. Mm-hmm. It creates that air of elegance. It's the reason I'm, I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen um, like Im- the image online where you have all of the brands in their different color rainbow scheme. And you can just see the types of brands that are in one color scheme tend to be similar types of brands, tend to have the similar products because those brands have done a lot of research into this. And, and it really does. I, I, I know you mentioned earlier, it pulls in that psychology of marketing. And we are all like, I mean, you can't get away from it. We have to think how people think in order to do our job well. Yeah, I also think colors is often something that is underestimated because many people work with website templates and, you know, they don't give a lot of thought to it because it just looks presentable. And instead, maybe you could adjust the HTML code just ever so slightly. Or if you're using a theme that has, you know, extensive options like an Aveda theme, which I think is one of the most sold WordPress themes. I don't want to advertise anyone, just want to, you know, note this, but it is one of the most popular. So, um there you have a lot of color option. And the reason being, not because you want to give consumers a lot of options, but the reason being that colors matter so much. It's just like, um, I, I imagine online branding always like the interior design of your home. When people get come into your home, they immediately get an impression of who you are as a person. And it's the same thing when they walk into your website, so to speak. And if you think of just changing a light bulb at home, there are some that have a yellowish tint, and some that are really warm, and some that are really crisp and bluish white, yet all of them are white, but they can really change a room. So if you imagine you're in an office, and all the light bulbs are really warm, and kind of yellowish, it wouldn't be as productive or young or modern as if you had a really crisp bluish white light bulb. So it just really, the, the nuances can make such a big difference. And it's the same with branding. If you choose warmer cold colors, Um, really makes a big difference. So you want to be consistent in that and also choose knowingly what your goal is at the end. So if you want to convert, what color would make these people convert? Go back to your audience persona profiles. Do you think that a crisp something would convert better? Do you think a warm color would convert better? And if you really don't know, in the worst case, you could always split test it or Google it what has worked for other people and go from there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important point, like that consistency and awareness um, are just two really important things in branding. And, and people, if, if you're thinking of a brand, you think of everything being consistent. You think of everything being the same if you think of any of the big brands out there. And so we want the same in whether we're working for a big company or whether we're freelancing or just building up our own um, website or brand. And it's like, okay, if you go to their Facebook page and everything's in these, you know, warmer color, warmer tones, and then you go to their website and it's in this different tone, you're going to have a second. And may- maybe it'll just be a second. Maybe it'll be longer that you're like, wait, did I go to the right website? Is it the same brand? And you never exactly. want to have that hesitation, whether it takes, you know, two seconds or whether it takes, you know, a minute. Um, you don't want to have that hesitation in the eyes of your audience. They want to be sure. Um so I think, I mean, you've given us so much great advice today, and I, and I love the, the way that you've thought about it and the tests that you've run that might, you know, half of us would not think like, oh, I'm going to run this test um, in a different language for people who don't speak that language with images. And I think it, it just provides such insight into um, how our brains work and how marketing works with that. So were there any other like last tips or tricks of the trade that you'd like to share today? I think um, one of the things that I often notice is that testing is really underestimated. So, for instance, when was the last time you split tested your LinkedIn profile image? 
So just whatever, whatever you can do to test what works better, give it a shot. Sometimes it's not just about A-B testing a landing page. Sometimes it's just testing perception. How are things perceived differently? And another thing to consider, I think, especially when designing your personal brand, is that you have to keep in mind what your ultimate goal is. So if you design your personal brand because you want to get more clients, then that should be your ultimate goal. So everything you phrase, everything, every call to action, every social media post where, you know, you provide a little bit of content besides just the link, maybe the goal should be that people contact you to become a client. Then the same things would be very different if you wanted them to contact you to hire you as a speaker. And again, the things would be completely different if all you want them to do is remember your name and face. Mm -hmm. So depending on what your goal is, you can really adjust your entire personal brand presentation online. And the good thing about it is you can have an ultimate goal this week and a different ultimate goal next week. And all you need to do is do a couple of clicks on your website to change it around. And the one way of thinking about this is what reaction do you want to trigger when people look at your brand? So let's say someone comes to your website, someone comes to your about.me profile, someone sees your LinkedIn. What reaction do you want to trigger? And is that the reaction that is in line with your ultimate goal? If not, what do you need to do to trigger the right reaction? Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's something important that you know people, especially when thinking about personal brands, often don't consider as much as they maybe should. And uh, last but not least, I think it's just there's no better time to adjust your personal brand or your corporate brand than now. So if you had you know if you had thought about maybe changing the logo or getting a new headshot or maybe you know finally getting a new website template or just finally getting your e-commerce store stuck out of Amazon and just, you know, starting to sell on your own website, but you need a brand to do it. If you're stuck with any of those things, start today because there's no better time to start. Definitely. And I mean, we can keep putting it off forever because it does, when you're sitting back from it, it sounds daunting. But like, as you mentioned, there are so many free tools out there that can help you really narrow down this focus. So it's not this huge, big world of the internet. It's okay. These are my customers. I already have customers or I, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to get them. So I'm going to focus on those customers, not every customer ever, you know? Sounds good. Well, um, thank you so much for, for joining me today. And um, thank you for tuning into Marketing Nerds. Um, our guest today was Christina Baldazari of Zebra Advertisement. And you can learn more about Zebra Advertisement at zebraadvertisement.com. And you can learn more about Christina and reach out to her at christinabaldazari.com. As always, you can tweet us with any questions or comments you have at hashtag marketing nerds. And thank you to everyone who's left a rating or review on iTunes. They help us um, help others discover the show. So thank you again, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.